All right, friends, we're in the middle of a Lenten uh, worship series that we've been entitled, that we have entitled The Walk. This is, is a uh, multi-part series in which we are looking at the basic essentials to deepen our Christian walk during this season of Lent. Up until this point, we have been uh, looking at what it means to be in worship and prayer with one another, and that has taken a whole new uh, <laughs> a change in the way that we are expressing that over the, these last few uh, weeks, we've taken a look at what it means to study and how that is important in our lives, as well as, as the gift of generosity and what that does for our soul during these times especially. Today we're going to take a uh, look at the way we share. And what that means really is to be in invitational in the way that we live so that others might see Christ in us and others might receive that good news. So as I began to think about it, I realized that, you know, Christians haven't always had the best reputation, <laughs> Ricky. I mean, sometimes I encounter people who uh, really don't trust Christians. Yeah. When they find out that I'm a Christian, or especially when I'm a pastor, then everything about their demeanor seems to change. I, I can remember Mahat Gandhi even saying something like, I like your Christ, I do not like your Christians, that your Christians are so unlike your Christ. I, I think that they find sometimes a sense of distrust in Christians, that people on the outside find Christians to be judgmental or hypercritical, or even um, um, uh, to be irrelevant or mean-spirited. The one that hurts me the most is when I hear that they think that we're Pollyanna-ish or that we have the inability to um, use the world's wisdom and incorporate that in our understanding of who God is and that we sometimes are, are less than in intelligent. So what I think, as I thought about why is it that we get a bad rap and why is it that we have this experience, uh, how people have this experience with Christians is because they've either encountered it through a church that has hurt them in one way or another, or they've encountered it uh, in an isolated way by someone who calls themselves a Christian, or the behavior of someone who is in the public eye yeah. who calls yeah. themselves a Christian. And so there is this instant mistrust in the world. But I found myself saying that, you know, I I don't see Christians that way. But I think it's because all of my circles, my many circles that I'm in, are filled with Christians, and I kind of like hanging out with other Christians. And so I found myself really saying, um, why is it that so many people distrust us? Yeah. And you know, I always think I try to surround myself with, with the Christians I most like and that think like me, right, and believe like me and, right. and don't kind of upset the status quo, but... Um, you know, this, this, this issue isn't, isn't that far afield for, for us here in Decatur. Um, I'm, I'm sure people are here, tired of hearing me talk about this stat by now. I'm on almost three years of it. Uh, in, in 2010, which was our most recent census, by the way, fill out your census. It's a great thing yeah. to do while you're in quarantine, yeah. sponsored by the U.S. government. No, not really. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, the census in 2010, there's that question that says, what's your religious affiliation? So are you... Um, uh, Roman Catholic or Protestant or Christian Evangelical or, or other, and there's an option that says none. Right? I've got no religious affiliation. There's not even a church that I call home. 
on Christmas and Easter that, or that my children go to VBS in at the summer. And uh, here in Wise County in 2010, nearly 59% of our population self-selected no religious affiliation. Wow. No religious affiliation. In a, in a town that still feels like it's a very Christianized culture, right? You move to town and the first three questions you get asked are, what's your name? What do you do for a living? And where do you go to church? Mm -hmm. right? mm -hmm. So it's still in the waters for us, but 59% uh, of our neighbors, nearly 35,000 people in Wise County have said, either because of a bad experience I've had at, at church growing up or when I was a young adult or I've just not found the church to be relevant for me. I, there's no place I call home. There's no life-giving connection mm -hmm. here for me. And, you know, the more, more I sat down and had coffee with folks at, at the coffee shop or had conversations with people who didn't have a place to call home and, and they shared with me their stories of, of what pastors or, or churches had, had taught them or told them growing up, I thought, you know, I, I don't really blame them. Our witness hasn't been that great quite often, right? Both with our words and our actions that we speak. We've, we've got a large gap to close there. We do, but you know, I don't think that that was really what Jesus intended the church to be. Yeah. But I also don't think it is a new problem. Yeah. I don't think this is a modern problem. When I look at the story that is our scripture today found in uh, Matthew in the ninth chapter, it's a story about how Jesus is looking at crowds and he begins to realize that the same thing is at work there. I'm going to read from Matthew 9 this morning verses 35 through 38. Let's listen to what uh, the evangelist has to say to us about this this time when Jesus realizes that he's um, got a lot of work ahead of him. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to the disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Thanks be to God for the hearing of this, this uh, scripture today. Amen. So as Jesus gathers around, he's been going from town to town, and he's been um, sharing the good news, the gospel. He's been healing the sick. And all of a sudden, one day, he takes pause, and, and the evangelist tells us he looks out at the people who have gathered around him, the crowds that have pushed in on him, and he realizes something different about them. All of a sudden, he takes compassion on him. Now, this Greek word for compassion is actually kind of a blended word. Passion means to suffer. But come, or calm, the first part of that word means with. So when Jesus looked out and he took compassion on the people, he literally is suffering with them. He begins to realize the pain and the depth of their pain physically inside his own soul, as if his gut is pouring out for them. And then he says this very, the, the evangelist says this very weird thing. He says he realizes that they've been harassed and that they are weakened like sheep, like sheep without a shepherd. Now, this reference actually comes from Ezekiel. Yeah. 
and Ezekiel, the 34th chapter, which we know Jesus was very familiar with the prophets. And so Jesus is reflecting on a time when the prophet is using this shepherd and sheep metaphor to describe a time when the people who are like the sheep have been almost betrayed by the shepherd. They've been taken advantage of, which are the rulers, the authorities, the religious authorities. They've been used for them by them. They've been left alone to make their own way in a very difficult time. And so I think as Jesus looks out on the people and he realizes that they live in a world when often they are taken advantage of, when they find their world uncertain, when there's no leadership for them, they are yearning for so much more. And so he takes compassion on them. His gut literally fills their pain. He fills their isolation, their loneliness, in a time in which they are taken advantage of, quite frankly. And so I begin to, Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, take a look, take a look. This is a harvest. There are lots of people here. There is plenty for us to do. And yet he looks at at his disciples and he says, but there are so many of us. So we need to pray that God gives us more disciples, more laborers to bring in this harvest. And so then, Ricky, I began to think this week, what is the harvest that we're in the midst of? What is the harvest that our isolated lives is making known to us today? Yeah, and you know, I think in the midst of the story, uh, the harvest is is the physical and spiritual need of the crowds. It makes me think of the the scene in Jesus Christ Superstar, which is one of my favorite all time movies, both the '70s version and the new one that John Legend did. Yeah. Wonderful. But there's a scene where Jesus is healing everyone, and and he's just almost overwhelmed, so that the crowds press in around him, and it's it's almost you can't see him coming out of the crowds, and you think there's just such incredible need here, mm-hmm. right? And and he's healing, and he's teaching, and he's preaching, and and he says, this, this is the work that God's called us to. There's plenty of work here. And, and I think in our time, uh, the harvest is as ripe as ever. And, and it got me thinking this week, what does it mean to be sent out into the harvest when, when really the work that we're called to day in and day out is to stay at home, right? <laughs> right. It's, it's a little bit of a, a parad- paradox of an oxymoron here. What does it look like to, to go out? But think of the agricultural metaphor, right? If we're, if we're grain, mm-hmm. or if we're uh, a piece of produce on the vine or on the stock. When it's harvest time, it means it's ripe. And you have to, you have to go out and, and pluck the grain from the stock before it expires, before it over ripens, before mm. it decays on the vine, right? The, the time is now to act. The right. physical need, the spiritual need of the people is, is such that God's people must be sent out to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And so it got me thinking about it in, in these days, uh, that we're living in, what is our harvest when the need is so great, when the isolation that people are feeling is so much more significant than it was a couple weeks ago, right. when people that were already on the financial edge are now between paychecks for mm-hmm. six to eight weeks mm-hmm. and figuring out how do we put food on the table for our families, when parents who are trying to work and send their kids to school are now trying to do both at the same time in a house that's too small, right? <laughs> yeah, what, right. what does it look like to be sent 
out into the harvest, what can we do in these days? How do we mobilize workers for the field, for the labor? Right. So some of the ways that we mobilize, it's been amazing, actually, to see yeah. how people, each of you, many of you who are watching, have, have said, hey, how can I be a disciple in this time. And so we put together what we call the telecare uh, team, and this is just a team of people that are making telephone calls, reaching out to some of our, our uh, people that may feel the most isolated because they are at the greatest risk of being out during these times. Just to say, hey, we are still the church. We are still there. We still want you to know that we care about you. And then they're offering up, is there anything we can do for you? And there's this wonderful team of people that we are calling doorstop ministries. These are people, young people that are willing to go out and run errands to pick up a few groceries to drop them off at the doorstep. And so this is becoming mobilized even as we speak. It's, it's been exciting to me to see how, how we have expanded and, and absolutely responded in faithfulness during these days in these particular ways. And then, of course, we've got our mobile food pantry. Yeah, I've had, I've been amazed. Several folks this week have already emailed me and said, Ricky, you know, we're just so passionate about the Decatur Cares mobile food pantry that we host out in our parking lot the first Saturday of every month. And, and you know, on a normal month, we serve 100 to 120 families right, right. that are already living on the edge of food insecurity, not being able to consistently put food on the table for themselves and their children and their grandchildren. And they said, Ricky, I, I don't know what this looks like. Are, are we still able to, uh, able to have it? And, and if not, what are we doing to get food in the hands of these people? And I've been so grateful for, for our government leaders, both locally and in our surrounding counties, who have looked at, at food banks and organizations putting food into the hands of at-risk families as one of the essential things that has to happen during this time. And so we've been working closely with Terran Area Food Bank to transition to a, a drive-through only model. And so yeah. um, in this time, you know, on a, on a regular first Saturday, we are blessed that many of our volunteers are with us week in and week, month in and month out time after time, are uh, uh, retired and, and in their active retirement years and a little bit older and, and recognize that for some of our regular volunteers, this might be a time where they're trying to socially distance themselves and staying at home and limiting their physical activity out in the world. And, and so they might not be able to serve with us this month. And so a lot of that same team of young adults have mobilized behind us and said, mm -hmm. Ricky, I'll meet you at 7 a.m. in the parking lot Saturday morning. We're going to unload that produce truck. We're going to box up packages of food. And as each family drives by, we're just going to put a box of food in their trunk and they can head on their way to help make sure that in this season we continue to meet the harvest, the most basic needs of people who are hungry, right? right to care for our neighbors in this season. Right. So I guess you could almost say that one of the ways that we live invitationally is to mobilize our our hands and our feet as well as our stories yeah. about what's going on the, yeah. through through connecting with one another and sharing our stories. I know that when someone shares their story with me, I feel bolstered. I feel empowered. I feel supported in my own Christian walk. And when I share my story, especially my story of vulnerability with another, my own spiritual walk is deepened. Mm, yeah. And so there are some amazing ways that we can do besides putting our hands and feet to work. I invite you to take a picture of you worshiping at your home, in front of your computer, 
with your kids gathered around or all by yourself eating breakfast. I just heard from my aunt. She's sharing worship at the breakfast table. I love it. Take a picture and post it on your Facebook page and say, I worship today and tell something about that how that left you empowered, how that left you uplifted, how that left you feeling a little bit better about this very odd, unusual time that we are in. And then maybe you could even pick up the phone and make a verbal phone call to someone that you know is isolated and let them know that you're thinking about them. A friend, a family member, a new person on the block, someone new to town, a worker, a co-worker, someone that you haven't been in touch with for a while, and let them know that you're thinking about them, and also share the story of your own vulnerability and your own time during uh, your own faith and how it's grown during this time. I think these witnesses to God's love are just exactly what's called for in this season. And and I'm reminded of words that that Paul shared to the early church uh, in 2 Corinthians Paul's talking about just this, our witness, right? How it is that we bear forth the image of Jesus in this world to a way that shows the love of God to everyone we meet, whether that's through the words that we speak or the actions that we take. And he says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. He says, So we, therefore, brothers and sisters, we are ambassadors for Jesus Christ. Since God is making his appeal known through us, we are ambassadors of Jesus Christ. We are representatives. We are representing Christ in everything that we do. We are the hands and feet of Jesus that extend God's love to each and every person we meet or to every phone call we make. And it is through us that God's love is being made known, that God's love is putting on flesh and blood and moving into the neighborhood, as Eugene Peterson would have it, in our backyards. And my prayer for us this week and in in the weeks to come in this season, a prayer that I often bless us with as we leave, is that this week, may the love of God so flow through you that when others see you, when others hear your voice on the Mm -hmm. telephone or others get your note in the mail that you have written to them, when others see your witness to God's love, may God's love flow through you in such a way that they don't, see you, but they see the face of Jesus smiling in love back at them. Amen. 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 So friends, during this time, uh, we have a digital offering, if you will. We we pass the virtual plate. And so we've made it uh, pretty easy for you to give. Uh, you just simply go to our website, decatermethodist.org slash give, and you can give online. There's also on that page the the uh, address if you want to mail a check. We realize that during this time there will be some of you who are experiencing job loss or reduction in hours and won't be able to give. And so there is also those of us who have not had that um, that experience in our own lives and continue to be able to give. And so I invite us to be generous with our giving in um, in the days ahead. If you are one who needs a little extra hand during this time, we are still able to do that through our Sunshine Fund. People have been extremely generous, both at the communion rail when we met in person and through online giving towards this fund. 
fund. So if you uh, need a little help with your utility bill or perhaps a, a uh, need some gas to get to a doctor's appointment or something like that, we want you to reach out to us. So uh, you can simply go to prayer at DecaturMethodist.org and all of these requests are kept confidential and personal and a staff member will reach out to you and let you know what we need from you in order to get get you some help. Will you pray with me this morning? Gracious and holy God, we recognize that even in these times of isolation that your gifts are so abundant that you continue to make life filled with um, uh, gifts that are way more than we can even wrap our minds around. And so as we return a portion of that gift back to you, we ask your blessing upon them so that they might be multiplied and so that we might go into the harvest prepared for the abundance that you give us, even in these times of isolation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.